Good morning, church family. It's good to be with you again. Uh, Looking forward to the day when we can meet together in person and worship the Lord uh, as a family, as a body of Christ here at Valley Community Church. I know that uh, there's been some word out there. We have actually, I think Pastor talked about it, we had targeted uh, October 4th, Sunday, October 4th, for the date of our reopening. We came up with a tentative date. Of course, that was providing uh, that the you know we were allowed to do that with the County of Los Angeles and got our approval from Foursquare, but it's looking right now like it's not going to be a go for October fourth. So what we know it's going to be soon though, and so what we want to advise you is just pay attention to our website, check back with that often. If there's any um, dates that we come up with, maybe it'll be the weekend after the fourth. We're not sure. Uh, that we'll have that up a week ahead of time. And so our website will be the hub for you to check into with any upcoming events, upcoming information regarding the reopening of our church. Continue to pray and continue to be hopeful. Uh, I just We all sense here at the church that it's going to be soon, and we're looking forward to worshiping with you again. Today I want to continue on a teaching of what I started last week. Uh, Last week we talked about understanding remez. And we gave you a lot of examples, a lot of understanding about what remez is. And I'm going to kind of go through uh, something that I just recently with, uh, I meet with some men every day, uh, Monday through Saturday, uh, through Zoom, the Zoom platform, and we journal together. So one of my journalings uh, that I've done recently uh, was I encountered a couple of remez uh, situations in Mark chapter 4, and I want to go over that with you today, and just, we're going to be looking through the whole chapter of Mark 4, and it's a very familiar chapter to us all, talking about the Word of God, and so the name of the teaching today will be, Don't Be Taken Captive. Now, that sounds really harsh, and that sounds like, wow, what is he talking about? But you're going to see that Jesus uses a couple of Remez examples here, and we're going to see the heart of what Jesus is talking about. So, uh, let's go and in, get into the word. Let me just pray as we begin. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the receiving of the word today. Your word is life to us. It's health to us. Lord, we thank you for the revelation and the vision that you bring forth to mankind through your word. Lord, we put the word first place in our lives, and we thank you, Lord, for it. And we give you praise as the word goes forth and brings revelation and understanding to each one of us today. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Mark chapter 4. I'm going to pull a couple of blocks of scripture. If you're following along in your Bible, you'll see where I'm going to kind of jump around a little bit just because it'll, it'll, the context will flow a little bit better. So let's take a look at Mark 4, 2 through 9. Then he, Jesus, taught them many things by parables and said to them in his teaching, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground, and it yielded a crop that sprang up, increased, and produced, some thirty, some sixty, and some a hundred. And he said to them, now this is important, 
He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And take note of that statement. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. We're going to come back to that and revisit that a little later on in the teaching. Well, let's take a look at the different types of ground that Jesus was talking about here in this parable. The first one was uh, the wayside that he talked about. And that word wayside in the Greek language is the word hodos. And hodos actually describes a road, uh, a path, a well-trodden, a well-traveled road. So it's a, it's a kind of a, a dirt pathway that's a, that's a thoroughfare that people use quite often. And so it's a well-trodden path or road. In other words, if you have people, I used to do a lot of hiking, and so when we'd go through certain areas in the mountains, uh, there would be certain trails that were so well-traveled, there was no more dust on them. The, the ground was just hardened. It was hard-packed. And so that's kind of the picture of what Jesus is talking about, a real hard-packed trail, road. And so it's hardened ground. In other words, it's ground that could not, the seed was unable to penetrate. A ground so hard that if seed is thrown down onto it, the seed cannot go into the soil. It just sits on top of that hard ground. There's no way for the ground to uh, embrace it. The other type of ground that he was talking about was stony ground. And now this is a soil that looked good, but it was shallow and underneath that soil that looked good, there was a rock face. There was rock underneath there. So in other words, there was no depth, no great depth to the soil so that there, it could not develop, a seed could not develop a good root base. The other type of ground that uh, is described here is thorny ground. And uh, this is, these are thorny weeds that are all throughout the ground that grow up and entangle and choke out or choke off uh, the seed, the plant that would start to grow, to choke it off from producing, to prevent it from producing fruit or, or yielding a harvest or a crop. And the fourth ground that he talked about was good ground. And uh, this is fertile ground at, that properly interacts with the seed embraces the seed, goes around the seed, encapsulates, encapsulates the seeds, got nutrients and vitamins within it. It's a ground that's moist. It's a ground that produces the proper environment for that seed to germinate and to grow into a, well, uh, a well-nourished plant that'll be healthy and produces a great crop. The, Jesus, the, the disciples of Jesus, they hear this parable And then they come to him and they ask for an explanation of this parable. And Jesus says in, now we're going to skip down to Mark 4, 14 through 20. And he gives the explanation by saying the sower sows the word. So we know now that the the word is the seed. So the sower sows the word. And then he says, and these are the ones by the wayside, that hard ground, where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground, who when they hear the word immediately receive it with gladness, and they have no root within themselves, and so endure only for a time. Afterward, 
when tribulation or persecution arises, for the word's sake, say that with me, when tribulation or persecution arises, for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Now, you can read this and say that, you know, that they, they stumble, but if you look at it in the Greek language, it's a very strong word. Uh, it means a lot more than just stumbling. It's a word that actually means uh, to fall away. Uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's one who leaves, that falls away and, and goes a different direction. And so this is a scandalizo. So it's a really, it's a strong word that means a lot more than just stumbling. Now, these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word. And the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things entering in choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. But these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit. Some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100-fold. Well, let's look at these four types of ground now in light of what Jesus just told us. The, the ground of the wayside, that hard, uh, that hard, hardened ground. Satan comes and takes away the word seed that is not embraced as precious and nurtured. And so those are people who have that hardened ground. The seed falls on the ground, does not penetrate the ground. It's not nurtured by the ground. It's not embraced, and so it's a person who's not embracing, taking the word as precious and nurturing the word. Those with the stony ground heart, uh, they embraced the word seed, but the, but the word seed did not, but they did not take the word seed to heart and allow it to govern their lives. When adversity arose due to the word, they are offended and they fall away. You know, it's interesting, last week we talked about uh, John the Baptist being in prison, you know, when he sent two of his disciples to Jesus, and he said, are you the coming one, and, or should we look for another? And at the end of that passage, when Jesus is telling John, you're not going to get out of prison, you're going you're gonna to die in prison, uh, Jesus said to him, uh, blessed, blessed is the person who's not offended because of me, and it's this exact word that is used in this in this passage of that word scandalizo, and so it's really talking about uh, offended to the point of falling away. Those who have the thorny ground heart, they're familiar with the word, but anxiety, worry, dread, fear of life's potential problems and the potential outcome, they become focused on chasing after wealth. And they have a fear of going without, and they are those who are obsessing for things beyond their reach, and this causes them to set the word of God or the promises of God aside. They don't see the promises of God are viable for their, nat- for their present life. They're not taking the word seriously. They're looking at it more of just a religious story, and they're not pertaining it to uh, real-life problems and situations. And then those that have the heart that's of good ground, they receive the word as precious, knowing it is the wisdom, knowledge, and understanding of God given to mankind as a grace gift that always produces. So Jesus is talking about the importance of the word being the main focal point 
and taking center stage within a person's life. It's not something to be taken lightly, and how we esteem the word is what sets us up for the word to produce or not, for us to receive and live in and real, have the realized manifestation of God's blessings in our life. It's how we esteem the word, how we see the word, how we, uh, we could say how we react to the word is what sets us up for victory or for having a, have stagnant, uh, not really realizing uh, the precious promises of God. So I want to take a look at uh, Mark 4. Let's move down to verses 10 and 12, 10 through 12. But when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parable, and he said to them, To you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. That word mystery is a word musterion, and it's a word that, uh, you know, a lot of times when we hear mystery, it sounds like something that's, you know, hidden, not known, kind of spooky sometimes. Uh, a mystery is basically, a, in the Bible, musterion means divine secret. And so that's a, good, uh, that's a good understanding, explanation for the word mysterion. And so he's saying here to you, it has been given to know the divine secrets of the kingdom of God. Hey, let me ask you a question. Where do you think those divine secrets are found? Yes, right within the pages of the word of God. And then he says, but to those who are outside, all things come in parables. Now listen to what he says here in verse 12. He's going to use a remez scripture here referring to an Old Testament scripture. He says, so that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. The word of God is the revealing of the divine secrets of the kingdom of God to man, and the revelation of God's love to us individually. It is the life flow of the kingdom. Nothing happens within the kingdom of God without the word of God. And I like the fact that in the beginning of John, in John chapter 1, uh, it tells us a little bit about Jesus. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So we see that Jesus is the living Word of God. Jesus is quoting this passage as a remez. Remember what we talked about last week, what a remez is. It's kind of a modern word that describes a practice uh, that was very much... Uh, that the rabbis have used throughout Jewish culture and Jewish history for quite a while. And it's something that was, uh, remember when Jesus was, we talked about in the, in the first century, uh, around Galilee especially, uh, the people up to age 12 were learning to memorize the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. Much of it they had committed to memory. After 12 years old, when they went on to rabbinical training, if they felt called into that, they would go on to learn a lot of the uh, major prophets, even some of the minor prophets, where they would learn much, many passages out of Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel. And then they would also learn a lot of the Psalms, even the Proverbs. And so they were very astute in the word of God, very studied. Uh, and so here we have uh, the word remez means a hint, a clue, or a look back 
that would be a good description of Remez. And so Jesus refers them to the book of Isaiah. This quote is actually from Isaiah 6, 9 and 10. Let's take a look at it. And he said, go and tell this people, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their eyes heavy and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and return and be healed. The people were familiar with this passage in Isaiah, which spoke of the coming desolation that coming desolation from Israel not hearing and taking heed to the word of the Lord. They had become prideful. Israel had become prideful, arrogant, and even had got to the point where they started going after other gods, idolatry. They no longer took uh, the word of God seriously, and it became more of a religious uh, ritual with them and, they, and it was something that, like I said, they, they became self-sufficient, self-seeking, and they became rebellious. Uh, God tells them, uh, due to their hardened hearts, like that wayside ground, due to their hardened hearts, that an enemy will soon come and take them captive by removing them from their land. And so, basically, when you're studying in the Old Testament, especially, and you're looking at the book of Isaiah, it's kind of good to know the backstory of why the book of Isaiah was written. And Isaiah began prophesying at about 740 B.C. is when he became a prophet. Uh, the, his main, the bulk of his prophecy, the bulk of the book of Isaiah, is dealing with the fact that the Assyrians will soon come and take Israel captive. And that actually was fulfilled in 722 B.C. And then we have uh, quite a few, the first six books of the Minor Prophets are also dealing with this same event, this Assyrian captivity. And so uh, it was so bad when they went into captivity that ten tribes, it was the whole northern kingdom. At that time, Israel and Judah are separated. There's a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom, and there's ten tribes in the northern kingdom, and all ten of those tribes were taken captive and removed away from their land, taken into, into Assyria, where they lived out their lives. Let's look at the next couple of verses that pertain to Isaiah 6, 9, and 10 and see what Jesus didn't say, but he was implying in the Remez. This is verses 11 and 12. Then I said, Lord, how long? And he, and he answered, listen to this, until the cities are laid waste and without inhabitant, the houses are without a man, and the land is utterly desolate. Then the Lord has, the Lord has, verse 12, the Lord has removed men far away, and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. Wow. So notice the words, removed far away, and the words, the forsaken places are many. Jesus is saying, if you do not take heed to the word and take the word to heart and esteem it as precious, you also will be taken captive by an enemy through complacency and indifference. 
and will be diverted, removed from your inheritance, which is the intended blessing on the nation, or for us, the church today, we could say the kingdom that we're a part of. We are a part of God's kingdom, the kingdom of God. And so there is the kingdom blessing. Jesus used this example as a vivid attention-getter of that terrible event in their national history. Should they not listen and pay attention, they will miss the benefits of the kingdom, is what Jesus is trying to get across to them. I'll tell you, when you read through the book of Isaiah, and you see over and over and over again the chapters talking about the desolation, and there's even blocks of Scripture in there where God is begging them to turn back to him and to once again hear his word. And he talks about how he wants to bless them, and he wants to nurture them, he wants to love on them. And, uh, but they continued to harden their hearts, they continued to push the word aside, they continued to want to go off after their own vision and their own ways, and they wanted to take on the gods, the pagan gods of the land. Well, let's take a look at another what else he's saying, because there's another little remez here that we want to pay attention to. Remember, this whole chapter 4 is talking about the importance of the Word of God. All the way through, it's talking about the Word of God. So let's, let's move on to our next remez. So Mark chapter 4, 20 through 20, 21 through 25. And he also said to them, Is a lamp brought to be put under a basket or under a bed? Is it not to be set on a lampstand? You know, I was thinking when he talked about lampstand here, uh, a lot of times the Lord talks about the word being likened uh, unto a lamp. You know, there's a scripture that says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. There's another scripture in Psalms 119 that says, the entrance of your word gives light, gives understanding to the simple. And so that, lamp, that light, when he says, is it not to be set on a lampstand? He's talking about the light of the word. The light, the word of God brings illumination. It brings understanding. It brings revelation to us. And so every one of us should be diving into God's word. And just so we can get the understanding and the knowledge of the kingdom blessing and the knowledge of the love of God that he has for each one of us. Let's take a look at verse 22. For there is nothing hidden which will not be revealed, nor has anything been kept secret, but that it should come to light. Now listen here again, verse 23. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Well, some people could say, well, that's kind of a silly statement. Didn't everyone have ears? I mean, everyone he was talking to there in the crowd, they all have ears. They all had these ear flaps right here on their heads. Jesus knew that. That's not what he was talking about. When he's saying, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear, he's saying to take heed, to see the word as precious, and to press in to the things of God, wanting to know and understand the word, to embrace it, to put it first place in their life. But this is that scripture that I wanted to draw attention to. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Let's look at verse 24. Then he said to them, take heed to what you hear. In other words, he's saying to them, remember he just talked about the, uh, that remez of Israel that went into captivity. Take heed to what you hear. What he's saying is don't be dull like your forefathers Israel. 
Then he says, with the same measure that you use, it will be measured to you. And to you who hear, what's he talking about? Hear what? Hear the word. Have a heart of sensitivity to the Lord. To you who hear, more will be given. Praise God. For whoever has, to him, more will be given. Wait a minute, what's he talking about? Whoever has. Has what? Let's keep it in context with what he's been talking about. He's talking about whoever has ears to hear. So what he's implying here is, whoever has ears to hear, to him more will be given. What's that talking about? Increase. But whoever does not have, what's he talking about? Whoever does not have ears to hear, in other words, having a sensitive heart to the Lord, even what he has will be taken away from him. Wow. I used to read this years ago, and I didn't catch the contextual linkage there. And I used to think it was just uh, whoever has, well, he's, got, he's blessed. He's got a lot, you know, got some got material possessions, got some understanding within him. You know, he's got building his family up. That's not what he's talking about. When he says whoever has, he's talking about has ears to hear. To him more will be given. But whoever does not have ears to hear, even what he has will be taken away from him. Wow, that's quite a statement when you understand it like that. Remember, Jesus said that Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown into people's hearts. Those who did not embrace it as precious and true. That was in verse 15. And it reminded me of the scripture that we all know, familiar scripture in John 10, 10, that says the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. And then Jesus said, but I have come. Who, who's Jesus? Who is he? But I have come. Remember, John chapter 1 said, he's the word. But I have come, the word has come, the living word has come, that they may have life. What does the word do for us? Brings us into life, that abundant life, and that they may have it more abundantly. Years ago, I read uh, a famous, one, of the, one of my Greek scholars that I like to refer to, a guy by the name of Spiros Zodihadis. And, I, and years ago, he was talking about uh, a scripture in uh, John uh, fourteen six that says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he said that word life, zoe, uh, in the Greek, in that scripture means this, the highest and best of which Christ is. Think about that. The highest and best, since we're talking about Jesus being the word, let's, go, let's take it to this extreme. The highest and best of which the word uh, professes to us, that the word tells us, reveals to us. The highest and best of which he is. And so when he says that they have, I have come that they may have life, what's he talking about? I've come. Remember, it's a covenant that we've entered into, being one with the Lord. He's saying, I have come that you may have my life, share in my life, all that I am and all that I have. And to have that life more abundantly, and in the Greek, that really means a super overflowing mega abundance is what that word actually means. So let's go back and take a look at verse 23, which is uh, what I call an implied remez. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. This is a reference to the very cornerstone 
of the law, or we could say the Old Testament word that was proclaimed to the Jewish people. This is this, this anyone has ears to hear, let him hear, is a reference to the very cornerstone of that. All Jews knew and understand when Jesus said at that time, in that culture, at that day, when he said, if you have ears to hear, let him hear, I just know that they made a connection to what he was talking about. Now, we in the Western culture, we don't connect the dots there. So let's take a look. Today, I want to help you connect the dots. And so this is a direct reference to the Shema, Shema, S-H-E-M-A, the Shema. And so the the Shema is, uh, is a prayer which all of the Jews prayed morning and first thing in the morning and the last thing at night. They prayed the Shema. And the word Shema means this. It means hear, H-E-A-R, to hear. That's what the word Shema means. And it is the first word in a section of Scripture that the Jewish people have taken and turned into the Shema prayer. And it's basically just a Scripture that they're quoting uh, and this is found in Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 5. And in fact, today, uh, Jews today still pray the Shema. And so it's something that is very near and dear to their heart. And I think it's awesome because uh, I've, I've memorized it in Hebrew. And of course, I have it memorized in English also. But I love it because it just brings me back since I've got the connection that Jesus uh, has talked about. It's something that I want to keep near and dear uh, in my thinking and in my mind. So Deuteronomy 6, 4 and 5 is the Shema, and it says this. Hear, O Israel. Isn't that interesting? The first thing it says, the first word in the Shema is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. That word Shema is the word to hear, but listen, let's get into the depth of what that word means. It means to hear, it means to hear to understand. Not just to hear words being spoken, but to hear with your heart and get the revelation, the depth of what is being said. Here, to understand, it means to regard as important and precious the words that you're hearing. To take them to heart and revere them. To reverence, it means to uh, pattern your life after. And it also has the connection of obedience. That what you hear, you're going to pattern your life after and you're going to obey those words. You're going to make those words a hallmark a benchmark, a focus within your life. Shema, Israel, Adonai, Eloheinu, Adonai, Echad. And that word, so that's the first line. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. And that word, Echad, is the word for one. Now, that word, Echad, means this, one alone. Now, remember back in the day when uh, Moses was, was bringing forth the law to the people there in the first five books in the Torah, uh, there were many, most of your countries had many, many gods. They didn't have just one God. And so here Israel had one God. All, 
Egypt, Assyria, all of the, all of the nations around there were, had many, many different gods that they were serving. The Greeks, same thing. And so here it's saying, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. However, it means the Lord is one alone. He's the only true God. And so it means one aspect. And so along with that, one aspect of Judaism even claims this word achad uh, has within the word an implication of dying to self and, and dying in God, dying to self and putting God as so near and dear that he's your all in all. And they say that that is all summed up in that word achad. When a religious leader came to Jesus and asked what, was the greatest, what the greatest commandment was, do you know what Jesus responded to him with? He responded with the Shema. He said in Mark 12, 29 through 30, Jesus answered him and said, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. Now, a lot of times when people read this block of Scripture, because we hear the word all the commandments, this is the first commandment, a lot of times you can let your mind go to a place where you think that's connected to the Ten Commandments. It's not. He's saying here that even before the Ten Commandments, this is the first commandment. This is the most important commandment. And that word first in the Greek is the word protos. And the word protos means this, chief, principal, the most important. And so that's what Jesus is saying when he said the first of all the commandments the chief of all the commandments, the principal uh, commandment of all the commandments, the most important commandment is, Hear, O Israel. This is meant to be the cornerstone of our lives as well. Hear, O Israel. Hear, God's chosen people. Hear, O body of Christ. Hear the voice of the Lord. Hear his word. You know, I was, as I was putting this together and meditating upon it and, and just praying over it, as I got to this point, the Lord uh, reminded me of uh, when Jesus took a couple of the disciples with him up on the Mount of Transfiguration. And all of a sudden, he was transfigured before their eyes. And of course, they kind of were bumbling around. They didn't know what to say. They, you know, Jesus was glorified. And then all of a sudden, uh, a cloud came over them. And this loud voice of the Father uh, billowed out and said, This is my beloved Son. Hear him. Hear, O Israel. Hear. Take it to heart. Seek to understand, revere the word as precious, press in to obey, and pattern your life after, and increase will be the mainstay of your life. Remember I said the whole chapter in Mark chapter 4 is talking about this one principal theme of adhering to the word of God. 
Let's take a look at that last section uh, in Mark 4, verses 35 through 41. All of a sudden, after Jesus brings the parables out, the parable out, talking to it, explaining to it, talking about the lampstand, talking about the kingdom of God and the currency of the kingdom, which is the word of God, all of a sudden it seems to switch and it goes to another story. It goes to them getting in a boat and going out on the sea. And so you can think that that's a separation, but it's not. It's still the same story pertaining to the word of God. Let's take a look at it. Because if you'll note, it says, on the same day, the same day that he brought forth this parable, the same day he brought forth these two remes uh, verses, on that same day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, And other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose. And the waves beat into the boat. So that it was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. Oh, that's the kind of way. That's the way I want to live my life right there. When the storms of life rise, I just want to be even keeled, and I don't even want to bat an eye. I want to go through it with the Lord and just know my hope is in you, Lord. You've got this. We're going through. We're going through to the other side. Remember what Jesus proclaimed. Remember who he is? He's the word of God. And the word of God said, let us cross over to the other side. So you can believe that when Jesus spoke, when the word spoke, We're going over to the other side. There was nothing, no devil, no demon, who could stop that boat from getting to the other side. And so Jesus isn't worried about it at all. He's asleep in in the stern of the boat. And they went and woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he turned and he said to his disciples, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Remember what he said, we're going to the other side. And he went to sleep. And they panicked because of life's circumstances that had risen up. And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? What a tremendous object lesson for them on what he had just taught them that day. The disciples may have heard the teaching and thought, We all have good soil for our hearts after all. We're we're Jesus' chosen. We're his disciples. We all have good heart soil. We've got this. They did not... They may have heard the first remez that Jesus taught about the nation of Israel going into captivity and thought, you know, Jesus may have been talking about a future enemy of Israel, who will attempt to take Israel captive again someday. They may have thought, 
You know, we pray the Shema prayer every day, morning and night. We hear and we love God. But when Jesus, who is the Messiah, the Christ, who is the Word of God, said, let us cross over and go to the other side, they did not take that statement, that word, and he who spoke it to heart. In a moment, when opposition arose, why? Because of the word, verse 17, they panicked and lost their faith, peace, hope, joy, direction, and security, having been taken captive through the influence of the enemy, through their flesh, and through their soul, their mind, will, and emotions. They even lost the revelation of God's love for them. When they said, don't you even care that we are perishing? How many, how many times have I heard people say, cry out to the Lord, Lord, don't you even love me? Don't you see what I'm going through? Don't you care about me? When the love of God was removed from their thinking, their understanding, then they were taken captive by fear, dread, worry, hopelessness, and insecurity. In a moment, at this moment, they had an aha moment during being out there on the sea when Jesus calmed the storm. They got, I believe they got a revelation and an understanding of everything he had taught them that day. They discovered that they did not have ears to hear and had missed the depth of what Jesus had been trying to teach them. The word comes, opposition or storms may come, but our faith walk, our word walk, continues because we know that this word is truth and that the truth is what makes us free and truly gives us hope. We have ears to hear and are a people who take and embrace the word and allow it, allow him to direct our lives. I hope you've been blessed by the word today and I hope that you'll take a look at this chapter, go over the notes and... Uh, Really, take stock and analyze. I like to do self-checkups with, with me all the time. I'm always saying, how am I doing, Lord? Uh, am, I, am, have I grown, am I starting to grow cold? Am I getting hardened? I want to stay fresh and flourishing before the Lord. And I'm always analyzing, do I have ears to hear? Am I staying sensitive to the Spirit of the Lord, sensitive to His Word? It's one of the reasons that I love to journal. Uh, I love to be in the Word and to allow the Holy Spirit to bring nuggets out of the Word to me on a daily basis. I really think it's imperative. I really believe, just like Jesus said, Hear, O Israel. And uh, it's something that I'm constantly telling myself, Hear, Dan Downey. Hear the Lord. Hear, O Israel. And so I hope that you'll be blessed. But let me pray for you today. Father, we give you praise and we thank you, Lord, for... 
uh, impacting us with your truth today. Lord, just with this whole Remez understanding, to see the quotes that you're using in the Word, uh, and go back into the Old Testament and see what follows after it, and see if there's anything that ties in to what you were saying in the New Testament, Lord. Father, we thank you that uh, discovering these little nuggets and giving us a larger understanding, and even understanding the backstory a little bit more, brings such revelation and freshness into our lives, and really uh, brings us into a place where we see that the Word of God is truly a joy uh, to discover these things with you, Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence, and just bringing the richness of your Word to us, and helping us, enlarging our understanding continually. Lord, we love you. Bless the people today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. God bless you. Thank you, Pastor Dan. What an amazing word that you have brought to us. Always the word of God is beautiful. It's, the Bible says it's like honey, sweet to our lives. And this is something really, really great. But at this moment, I would like to invite for those, if you don't know Jesus Christ, if you have heard this word, like the Bible says, if you have heard this word, the Lord is calling you. Because he loves you very much that he died for you in the cross. And he wants to help you through the Holy Spirit to understand what the Word of God is speaking to our lives. So I want to pray for you. It's open your heart and let the Holy Spirit go into your life and just accept Jesus Christ in your life today. Just go ahead and close your eyes at this moment and repeat these words with me. Heavenly Father, I hear your word. Forgive my sins. And I give you my life today. Yes, I give you ownership so I will be able to understand why pastors speak today. I thank you in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you for being here with us today. And let me pray for the whole church. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this church. Thank you for Valley Community Church that at this moment they're rejoicing in this world. They're rejoicing in this service. And I thank you and I keep, and ask you to keep blessing them every single day and every single moment. Wherever they are listening right now, let it be blessed, joy, and rejoice every single day. And I thank you for every single one. Our friends, church members, everybody who is seeing us right now, I proclaim blessings in their lives in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Thank you very much and be blessed.